Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey everybody, my guest today is a real pal and has made her mark in the life hitting the little white ball way, way less times than me or most of us mere mortals. And on any place where they serve up green manicured grass and there's 18 holes to boot, she can go low. I've seen it. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. My buddy, present mom, and former LPGA tour star Chris Cheddar. Hello, Chris. Hi, Steve. <laughs> are you are you in, are you outside of DC right now? Uh, I am just outside of DC. On the farm? Are you on the farm? Where are we today? In the golf farm? The uh, ranch? I'm just. I'm at home. I've got a sick child at home. <laughs> so yeah, our our kids are picking up everything. It's all going around. Yeah, they're like a walking petri dish, you know. <laughs> back they in my, are. Back, I never get sick because I've been exposed to it all. Yeah, well, you better you better go knock on all the wood you got around okay, the exactly. house for saying I that. Know, I did. I I'll, just did. <laughs> I'll talk to you next. I know you're super. You got to be. Let's talk about superstitions. Being an LPGA player and an athlete, you see it a lot more in baseball and the rally caps and all that. But in golf, I've noticed more people with, uh, especially on a professional level, with more idiosyncrasies and twitches. Than I've ever seen, right? The only person in tennis that I, I've noticed is like Nadal. He's got this thing where he touches his headband, his eyebrows, whatever, his nose, his ears. He pulls his underwear out. I mean, before he serves every time. It's like this routine that looks like it's got to be exhausting. Like he's got to be like in extra good shape to be able to go through all that motion before he plays. But in golf, did, <laughs> did you have uh, any sort of, uh, I, I call them issues? First of all, I think there's a difference between superstition, and routine. Now, Nadal, that might be a little bit more than just a routine, but I had a definite routine that I did before every shot that was just, you know, it wasn't long. It was just, uh, you know, setting up, looking at the target, taking my waggle, looking at the target, taking my waggle. Let's talk about the waggle. Could that be... You know, Mississippi superstitions and routine are a lot, you know, pretty much the same thing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but, well, but seriously, so the waggle, the waggle was to loosen no, you up, right? Yeah, that's just to, to kind of loosen you up and get your feel and make it, make it relaxed and natural. But what was funny was my dad, when I first was 
getting ready to go out on tour, one of the things that I just so remember him saying to me was, you know, Chris, whatever you do out there, don't get superstitious. It'll make you crazy. And I thought, okay, I'll take the, I'll take his advice for, no, I took his advice a lot, really. But I, I did take this piece of advice, and so I really tried not to get superstitious. Right. And one time he was out caddying for me, and I threw him my ball, you know, hey, I'm going to get another ball. He goes, what do you mean? You can't change balls. You just made three birdies with that ball. <laughs> I was like, oh, Dad, yeah. I'm not superstitious. <laughs> he goes, that's not superstition. That's going with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, that's right. Well, he's he's uh, he's a doctor, so he has the right to uh, to have that opinion. Change his mind. <laughs> yeah, well, it's his opinion. You might have you might have wanted to check on a second, get a second opinion. <laughs> so we're Chris Cheddar, LPGA Hello. former star, and we become buddies. And I just I love actually watching you play golf and and your passion for it and putting up with our crazy games and you, you you build us up so much you know you build me up like oh you know and the reality is nothing compared to what you experienced growing up and that's what i want to talk about was it golf always were you five six years old or was it were you playing softball or were you playing were you cheering were you doing other things there were i, I there's so much in that last question that i've got to answer it's loaded that's right <laughs> So start start no. with point A. <laughs> softball. <laughs> softball. Yeah. I went out for the softball team. Uh, I was in like third grade. And um, this is back when everyone didn't get to play. <laughs> right. So they were going to cut two players. And I knew that they were going to be two players cut. And I was the one that answered the phone when the coach called. And he said, Chris? Sorry to let you know, but you are did not make the team. And now how old were you at this point? <laughs> Third grade. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Third and I grade. hung up the phone and I went, I, I, I can, you know, I, I really remember this. I went, yep, I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, you know, uh, maybe I'll just play golf. My parents were taking my older brother to the junior world out in San Diego. And as an afterthought, they said, oh, there's a 10 and underage group, you know, Chris, do you want to play? And I went, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll play. And I played in the 10 and under um, age group and finished second. Come on. So I came home with a, you know, fairly big size trophy. Right. And everyone was saying congratulations. And, and I really think that that was when I got pretty excited about golf because I, I liked uh, winning something and having people pat me on the back and you know I don't know well you had one of those Michael uh, Jordan never, moments you know where you got cut it was a different sport yeah. obviously and uh you, so how'd your brother fare uh I don't think he did anything in the turn that tournament but my brother was a really really good player I mean I was certainly not the best player in the family Mike wow. was really good and, and he tried for a number of years to get out on tour, and he just, for whatever reason, could not get through tour school. And I know that if he had gotten through, he would have been successful. I mean, he played with guys like Steve Stricker, Chris DeMarco, 
Brandel Chambly, like all of these guys who never wanted to play him in a practice round because they were afraid of him. And he and he had a lot of success. You know, he won a tournament over in Asia. He played on the Canadian Tour, one up there, but he just couldn't get through tour school. Right. I mean, back then compared to now with tour school, and you're trying to, uh, you know, get your card. Now you've got obviously sort of the minor league uh, AAA ball club in in the Web.com tour, and then you can, you know, you can win your way out of there uh, during the season. Or you know, is top twenty-five or you, well, everything Q school wise, everything depends on your year. Um, what was it like back then versus now? Especially with now that uh, you have all of these, uh, the, you know, the 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 world has really come to play in America. Uh, what was it like competing and trying to get your card? Well, you know, for for me, the competition wasn't nearly as you know, it's just, it was different. I mean, the PGA Tour compared to the LPGA was different, but uh, it was still hard. And tour school is just something that I'm not sure there is any comparison <laughs> because basically it's a tournament that decides the rest of the year. And you're, right. it's such a stressful, stressful week. I mean, you set like five alarms because you know you don't want to miss your tea time. I mean, it literally would mean okay, try again next year. Yeah. And so it's it's stressful, and I made it through tour school my, on my first try, which you know was great. I got my card, played for a year, and didn't play very well. I was totally not prepared to be out there, um, but I knew I loved it. And I had to go back to tour school, and that was actually more pressure the second time because I knew what I'd be missing if I didn't get it. Right. And the craziest thing was I was really struggling uh, with my putter that week. I, I remember I was in, like, 55th place going into the last day, and I looked at the scores. And I determined, it was a pretty hard course, I determined if I shot even par, I would probably get my card. And I uh, made the turn at one over, and then I got up on 10, and I knocked it out of bounds. And so oh. I was three over. Yeah. And it's a hard course. I mean, it was it was hard to, you know, make birdies. And, and I wasn't putting well. But I don't know. Somehow I birdied four of the last eight holes. I shot one under, and I moved from like fifty fifth place to thirteenth place. And how many? And ca- I got how many my people? Card back. Yeah, right, how many people got their cards? Because I mean, this is like you're right. This is like twenty. Like, yeah, twenty people get it, and then after that, there's no. See, we'll see you next year, right? There was no like, yep. oh, you can go somewhere next week, and well, maybe, or you could have Monday qualifiers, right? You you would get some conditional status, but conditional status meant you might get in, you know, six to eight tournaments and you just never knew when those would be and it was tough you definitely it was a, you wanted to get you know exempt status i'm with chris cheddar my lpga sister and uh she is uh close to the she's not too far from the white house and you are in a mississippi minute stand by we'll be right back you're still on the other side underneath the light of blue I'm trying to reach out and tell you what I'm going through. 
What is it? Super Talk Mississippi, number one in the Magnolia State for news, weather, sports, and talk that matters to you. Don't you forget it. Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Flying down that levee road. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. My guest today is Chris Cheddar. She's known as Cheddar. Cheddar out on the LPGA <laughs> Tour. She had your, you had your nickname. And, and it's funny, you know, I remember seeing your name uh, spelled on TV. But then when people would, you know, I, I knew of you well before I knew you. And I would go with Cheddar. I'm like going like, wait a minute, that's not spelled C H E D D. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I thought there was like bo- people from Boston going, you pack your kai, you know, whatever. But, uh, and they, they said your name without the R. And, uh, and so, you know, of course, I, I realized it was sort of a nickname that came to you. Let's talk about, uh, I want to I go back to your college days. You were at TCU, uh, yeah. your three time All Southwest Conference player that's three time that's that's amazing so, so if you're if you're a, a a kid growing up and you're playing college sports usually you've got like you know i know football goes from such and such such and such and it's pretty much half your year all college sports seems like they take up that much time now but golf was like really really the whole year you had a little time off you know after thanksgiving right and then you get back and get to work how did you how were you able to maintain being gone uh, for how many days in a row? It wasn't like you were gone for a day, right? You'd go off sometimes and play tournaments that were you had to be gone for four days at a time. How do you how do you maintain grades uh, and perform uh, as an athlete? You know, I've always wondered with that, it, especially with golf. Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, because golf takes unlike other sports, it takes more time exactly. simply because you can you know i mean you can only practice so much other sports because you just get too tired but golf really you know takes a lot of time to play the game and it takes a lot of time to practice and so you just really had to be organized and disciplined and and you know there were times where i had to just let my schoolwork slide and then there were times where i had to let my golf slide you just had to kind of know how to manage it and i mean i was never you know i got decent grades i i think i had the c average but i was not the one who could cram for a test and expect to do well i had to really keep up and so i would just you know, look at my notes every day and, and just make sure that I, I kept up with, with my work. I, I could not wait until the last minute. Right, right. Well, I was the, uh, what, what kind of study guy would you think I was? Would you guess? Um, I would guess <laughs> you waited until the last minute. And oh, yeah. Crammed. It was a long night. Can I just tell you how long the night was? You know, it was a long night getting ready because I wasn't. And the funny thing is, our kids are really nothing. My old, our oldest son is track is a lot like I was, but a lot better in school than I was. It comes e- really easy for him, and um, he spends as much time on film that 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 most people do in sport. And then our our middle son, yeah. he Adrian's so prepared. I mean, like he stands over it, and he's so prepared that he probably doesn't have to study it all the night before. And our and our daughter lives in the middle, I think. And then we've been blessed, you know, that I think they expect that that 
that we were like that and and i was a good student but it was it was a lot of work you know for me and and i and mainly because i waited to the last second so uh you know i always go yeah of course that's what we expect of course i was like that but uh they're not listening to this radio yeah. show so i'm good i can confess right now so you know well i i just hated having stuff hanging over my head and so yeah. i was the opposite if 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 we if i got a paper assigned i might do the all-nighter at the beginning just to get it over with so i could quit worrying about it right because otherwise it would just weigh me down right so you're t- I, i'm actually not that way at all now now i'm a huge procrastinator yeah well that's because we're tired, but that's all right. You know, once you become parents, you're tired. We're talking to Chris Cheddar. We're both tired right now, and uh, our our girls are, are putting it to us, uh, but it's a beautiful thing, and we're blessed. Yeah. Uh, Chris, so you're in college, and uh, at, at at this point, you, you're you're playing really well, right? And you're you're winning tournaments, right? You're you're not going to be all you you can't be all conference or you know all you know you know Southwest Conference if you're if you're not. You know, you're not producing, right? I had an interesting college uh, career because what happened was they were <laughs> this is bad. They were national champions before I got there, so I went into this team that had won the national championship, and our coach ended up resigning at semester. We one of our girls transferred, and we only ended up having four players which was hard. You know, in golf, you have five yeah. fours, and you get to throw out one. Right. You guys and were always competing. You were always playing, right? Yeah, so you make you make double, and you're like, well, that's going to count. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of, kind of probably helped mold you and toughen you up because, you you, you know, like getting ready for Q school. Those could have been the moments that got you ready for Q yeah, school because every shot counted all the time. You're going through that. Now, you're the, you are the number one team in the nation. Obviously, you're coming out a heavily recruited athlete. Okay, okay, you know, we, I think about girls in sports now. You know, I, I really do. And when we were, you and I were growing up, you know, you were a cheerleader. Or if you weren't a cheerleader, it was devastating sometimes to a lot of girls. And and if you want... You, By the you, way, I was a basketball cheerleader. So you were a basketball cheerleader. So that's my so point. So I have that basketball connection in there. Yeah, I kept thinking I that you would be a point guard. I, I could see you a point guard or a shooting guard for some reason. I, I'm, I'm surprised if, that you didn't get all into that. If you saw me shoot, you would understand Just don't why get it. I, 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 I would have been cut quicker from a basketball <laughs> team than a softball team. <laughs> well, let's talk about girls in sports now, though, because you've got two daughters, and I don't know if they're following in your footsteps at all, uh, but even if there are, are there other sports with soccer and volleyball now and basketball and track, and there's, there's just so much that they can do now when, when just, they just weren't doing it growing up. And I'm, I'm surprised that it took so long for it to, to catch on and become viable for a girl to chase her dreams and go to college and play or even go to the pros. So what do you, like with your daughters, what do you see and are they interested at all in, in sports? Well, my, uh, my oldest daughter, Lainey, is a soccer player. And she actually just told me the other day that she and a friend of hers have decided they want to go out for the golf team next year. And I was like, well, you probably should start practicing because, <laughs> she, she, you know, she doesn't play golf at all. She has a swing, but she's, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of interest there. But wow. the beauty of it is there's, you know, there's not a lot of women golfers, girl golfers. And so 
if you play a little, you can you can get on the team and play. So that's that's the good news. That's awesome. Uh, but her, she doesn't love it. She she loves soccer. Uh, and then my youngest daughter, Kira, is a rock climber. With a sore throat right now. Rock climber with a with sore a throat. throat. Okay. Yeah, and I said to her, when, when she said she's had a sore throat, I'm like, well, no rock climbing if you don't go to school. She so loves rock climbing that rock much? Rock climbing, yeah. I'm not climbing any rocks. Yeah. I'm not a rock climber, just FYI for all my listeners out there. We're talking to Chris Cheddar, <laughs> former LPGA star, uh, buddy of ours, uh, met in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I do want to take you on our plane ride. When we were leaving, Chris and I were doing the Delta Soul, and we would we would really, it was painful to go from three or four days of doing our Delta Soul celebrity charity event down here in Greenville in June, and we would leave on that Sunday, like, just really tired, like, I was dead, and we'd have to, and I had zero voice left, and we would get on, we got on a private plane one time, and we made our way there, right, and I remember asking you, do you have any snacks in your purse? And you go, no, no, I don't have any. I don't have anything. Well, first of all, your purse is a huge bag. It's like a size of a golf bag, right? It sits there, yeah. and I'm looking at it, going like, there's got to be something in there. So time goes on, and I'm really wanting something because I don't feel great. And uh, all of a sudden, you start looking, and you go, oh, I do have this. Oh, I do have this. It was like, let's make a deal. It was I like you pulled out a picnic it was like we were pulling at we were at the grocery store and that whole checkout area with all of that was there to the left and it was like a smorgasbord and i'm going like at what point did you go from not having anything which by the way it was like 30 40 minutes into the flight uh to having everything <laughs> you know what's really funny is i was traveling just a last weekend and I, I went, you know, to go through, and the guy said, do you have any food in your bag? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, food? Well, yeah. He goes, yeah, you need to take that out. And I go, okay. So I take out, I had like a bag of nuts or something. And then he says, do you have any candy? And I go, what? Is this new? He goes, yeah, you got to show us that it's food. And I start pulling. <laughs> I mean, I right. had... Like, the whole bin was covered with my candy. For whatever reason, I just, I always have to have a little candy in my That is the greatest, because I'm the same way. Now, let me let me ask you this. When So, I grew up eating a lot of junk food. I had a lot of cavities when I was younger, and thank goodness one of our best friends, Andrew Abad, is a dentist, and he fixed me later I in love, life. Well, can we just talk about how much we love Andrew? No, because he'll get all work. You know, he knows. He, he I cannot make that head any bigger than it is. <laughs> But I do know that he uh, he fixed me, and and you know as as an artist and you're opening your mouth singing, he made everything white again. So uh, you know the truth is I was a kid that ate a lot of candy growing up. I remember getting I had 13 cavities at one time, and I hadn't had cavities since. Trust me. But uh, I actually did the uh, I had a game that night. I remember, and I asked oh. the, the d- dentist not back then. Of course, it wasn't Andrew. <laughs> I asked the dentist. <laughs> To not get, numb me or don't, no Novocaine and no gas. And he goes, are you kidding? So he did it. And I survived it. No. And I know everybody's cringing oh in their cars God. like the chalkboard and the eating the full. Or <laughs> That hurts me to say that. But oh. the truth is I did it. And then I hurt for at least two months. Uh, and and it was the craziest thing I've ever done. And so anyway, we are, uh, I don't know how we got on this topic. Uh, this is what happens when uh, Chris Cheddar and Steve Azar in a Mississippi minute get on the phone. We'll be right back. The Super Talk app. Hop it in. Hop it in. 
and turn it on. Listen to your favorite shows anytime you darn well please. The Super Talk app. It's free. Download the Super Talk app now. 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 In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. I'm back in a Mississippi Minute. I'm with my should-have-been sister, Chris Cheddar, in the LPGA Tour, now on the Legends Tour, because that's what happens to us as we get a little older. Chris, uh, how you feeling? We become legends. Yeah, we do become legends in our own minds, exactly. You know, I... uh, I was. Uh, I, I want to talk about just the, uh, an influence of yours that you had. That, and I, the book is amazing. And I want to spend our time talking about this, Mister Hogan, the man I knew. Right is the title of the book. Um, yeah, it's so fascinating because there was this fear apparently of nobody should talk to to Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan, you know, t- you got to put him in the top five of most influential people in the game of golf, right? Would you say, ever? I would. Yeah, and yeah, I would. I would definitely. too. I would too. So, take us back to the time you met Ben Hogan, how it happened, and just talk about your book uh, and and what got you to write the book. And you know, this is a loaded question with a lot of A, B, C, D, E's. But I want you to just sort of start at the beginning and just take us through the process of of being that little girl and on the tee box and uh, and getting to know him. Well, so I was going to school at TCU, and we didn't have a great practice facility. My brother was also going to TCU, my brother Mike, and he'd heard about Shady Oaks, this really exclusive golf course in town, and uh, they were trying to get younger members. So they had this deal where you could be a junior member, and the initiation fee was $750, which is crazy, you know? Right. And, and you could be a junior member until you were 35. So he had been talking to my dad, and my dad was, you know, kind of not quite sold on the on the idea. And I was out at this park where we practiced, where the team practiced, hitting, you know, my own balls. And really, I was out there by myself. And all of a sudden, this woman comes up to me, and she says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to bother you, but do you have a gun? What? And I'm like, what? You know? And I, I said, you know, no. And she goes, well, this, this, you see that truck over there? This guy's been following me all day, and I'm really scared. You're in and Texas. So That's I what they ask for. Even women ask for this in Texas. I love that. <laughs> so she's asking for I a gun. what anybody from South Dakota would do. I say, well, why don't you get in my car, and I'll take you wherever you need to go. So... I did, and I lived through that. And then I went back to my brother's apartment, was telling him about it, and he's like, oh, my God, you know, how stupid are you? <laughs> you know, did you ever think it might be a setup? Which, of course, I hadn't. And then he says, he says, but you got to tell Dad. So I tell my dad that story, and that was it. He's like, all right, that's it. We're getting you those memberships to Shady Wow. I love, I love how you totally concocted this story so your dad would <laughs> – We'd, that's great. This is this is what anything you'd go through. I love that because I'm I don't believe you, so I'm not gonna believe you. No, it it is I honest. I mean that is 100 percent true. So we're we became members of Shady Oaks, and yep. and they told us. I mean point blank, you do not speak to Mr. Hogan. You don't approach yep. him. We leave him alone. You know if he wants to talk to you, he will, but you don't talk to him. So I did that at first, I would, 
but I would see every other man walk by, you know, and I would say hello to them, and then I would see Mr. Hogan, and I would act like I didn't see him. And finally, I thought, this is ridiculous. And so I just started kind of being myself. You know, I would see him, and I would say hello. And Did you offer him candy? And, Did you offer him candy? Is what You know, funny, huh. he actually would give me candy. Oh, he no, this is all had, getting really weird. <laughs> he always had a, uh, like, uh, the little mini size Snickers. Yeah. And and he would drive by and just toss me one. <laughs> Unbelievable. And just keep driving. And he was, you know, he would then stop by where I was practicing and he might give me a little tip here, there, and, and then off he would go. You know, he would take three balls and walk out. There was this little nine at Shady Oak. So one day Mr. Hogan was out with, doing that and he walked by and he gave me the tips and I couldn't really do it and I said well let me let me see you do it and he's like oh no I don't hit balls anymore I said oh come on you know and I, and I just I talked him into it and he dropped these three balls and he hit them up you know just perfect little shots and and that was it you know lesson over and off he went and and it just got to the point where I I would watch him hit he'd watch me hit we'd go pick him up you know do it again and so so uh, and how then, long into your relationship was this i mean it became like a dad to you in a way right on the golf course correct your dad's far away from yeah home. he really took our entire family under his wing um he he said to my brother well actually when we first got there I had new clubs, I guess, but Mike's were a little bit older, and he looked at his clubs, and he's like, you know, you need you need a new set of clubs. And he had Mike come out to the factory, and he got him all set up with clubs. And and then another time, he asked Mike if he wanted to play in the Colonial. You're kidding. <laughs> the, the PGA event that's in town. And, and, and Mike said, you know, yeah, I'd love to play, but I don't think they'd let me play. Well, they had this thing called the Champions' Choice, where every year the champions all voted on who they wanted to have play. And then they had the, uh, the Champions' Dinner that Mr. Hogan always went to. So Mr. Hogan started pushing to get Mike the exemption to play. And they're like, well, you know, we'll see what we can do. You know, hey, are you going to be coming to the Champions' Dinner? And Mr. Hogan's like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and, and they had this back and forth where he waited and, and, you know, he held out and was saying he wasn't going to come unless they gave my brother the exemption. And they ended up giving him the exemption and Mr. Hogan went to the champion's dinner. <laughs> wow, I love him holding out. Now, now tell me this. Did, uh, how did he perform? How did he play? He played okay. I don't, think, um, I don't think he made the cut, but he played well and... He didn't embarrass himself, let's put it right. that way. <laughs> he said, though, when he had to tee it up on the first hole, he said he was so nervous that he almost forgot how to tee up the ball. That's how nervous he was. You know, it reminds me of a story that you said you can't approach Mr. Hogan, so I like to relate it to my my world. Keith Urban and I were doing shows, a series of shows together, and we were up, I think we had played Albany the night before, and I had gotten worked up. And I threw a water bottle at the the, the stage manager because he was trying to get us to cut our show short. And we had 30,000 people out there, right? Well, and, and, and I said, well, and I told the crowd, if he cuts our show short, then uh, I'm going to kick his tail, right? I was all worked up. 
And and I said, you're not cutting our show, show short. So I told the crowd, of course, they wanted to hear Waiting on Joe at that time and Monday and I don't have to be on Monday. And, and I hadn't gotten to it. And then, of course, there's my song Flatlands that lasts like an hour. So I made it last an hour and a half. And and he was just furious, right? So I have this, he's coming at me. I got this bit when we're done. I mean, I even climbed the tower, I think that, the light tower. I mean, I prolonged it as long as I could. And uh, and then oh, I threw this funny. big water bottle at him and I hit him right in the head because he was coming at me. So I said, I'm not going to let it happen. So I think Sarah Evans sees that because she's on that bill. And then we're heading up to a Rochester to play a show. And I get word that on the bus that Sarah Evans' uh, tour manager comes in and says, please make sure that Steve does not confront Sarah. And And Keith got the same message, you know. <laughs> And my brother, Joe, who's on the road with us, he says, great, if you wouldn't mind pointing her out to me, and I'll make sure he doesn't. Like I said, oh, Joe, come on. So anyway, it was it was really interesting, and that was my sort of, uh, I can't, I cannot confront this person. Sarah's a great girl, and I love her, and she's a great, great artist. And, and uh, But that was back, I think, in a time when she was going through a little bit of tough times with her former husband, and I think there was whatever. But it, we, Keith was like, uh, I wasn't really planning on it, you know, in his Australian accent. So, so okay. Yeah, so I can just hear it. Oh, no, I know, I know. So we're going back in time, and you're doing this. So... Did, how long How long did the relationship last with you and Mr. Hogan? Before I was there, he had pretty much stopped playing golf. And right. and then he started kind of getting back into it. You know, he'd, he'd get his clubs on a cart, and he would go out, and he was, he was practicing. And he was still, you know, trying things and, you know, still trying to figure it out. You know, you know what that reminds me so much of, and I, I just, I just feel like that. You know, I can't help but to relate things again. I mean, we had publishers that were older that had written all of these hits, and I'm walking in. They want to write with you, and they want to be around you because you're new and you're young, and it's, it's something about mentoring somebody that gives you this energy. And he, you, you yeah. probably gave him all of this life, and and joy, and made him go from I don't practice anymore to wanting to go out and do that again, and that's the magic of Chris Cheddar. Now, but speaking of Chris Cheddar, first of all, you can go get the book right now. Is it like Amazon? Where do you get the book? You can get it uh, at Amazon if you want me to sign it or personalize it. You can just go to my website, which is chrischeddar.com. I love that. All right, now, you know uh, you're, you have a love affair of music. I know you do, and you have respect for music, like most people. Like a lot of people that play golf, I've, I've played events, and everybody's, woo! why we're going how loud can we be over the band and all that but you're the best you like to sit and listen and consume it and take it all in so mississippi being the birthplace of america's music tell me uh and i know you want to i know you love my song the coach but and that's your jam but you can't choose between that tell me if you want we're going to (laughs) lead us into the break with charlie Patton or rufus thompson rufus sorry charlie Patton or rufus thomas i'm a little tongue-tied it's a long day i'm gonna go rufus because it's hard to say. I know. Well, it's hard for me to say anything right now. You are in a Mississippi Minute. We are with Chris Cheddar. We'll be right back. Hello, tipsy toe. She broke a needle and she can't sew. Walk in a dog. Guess who walking her dog? 
Super Talk Mississippi on your radio, your computer, and on your smart device. I just kind of stream it online. Yeah, online. Listen online every day. Listen live at supertalk.fm and download the Super Talk app to take Mississippi's best talk with you wherever you go. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. everybody, I am Steve Azar, and you are in a Mississippi Minute, the final countdown from all 60 of them. I'm with Chris Cheddar, will take me to the nine holes. Does it? Does your record still stand, and tell, tell our listeners, and tell me again, because I love hearing this, this is the zone. Tell us about the nine holes, uh, and it, what did you, what'd you shoot, 28? It's, well, it, yeah, I shot 29 in the par 37, so okay. it, was, it was eight under. And the that funny is crazy. Thing was, is, <laughs> Eight, I mean, that's well, crazy, crazy. Well, here's here's the funny part is when I I chipped in on the last hole to to get to, to eight under, and I didn't even realize it. I I was playing in the British Open, and um, my then husband was caddying for me, and on number nine. We were in the middle of the fairway, and he was trying to talk me into a seven iron, and I kept saying it's an eight iron. We had this not 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 a big fight. Like I don't think the gallery probably knew we were fighting, but we were, you know, back and forth. And I was going, it's an eight, isn't? And I did something that I don't normally do, which is to give up and just say, fine, I'll hit the seven. You know, I that's rare. I mean, I almost always go with what I think. I listen to my caddy. We talk about it, but I usually go with, you know, what I think. And I didn't this time. And I one hop it over the green, to, and it was a back pin, and I am fuming. <laughs> I am so mad. I go, I, and I get it up and down for my par, but I shot um, 41, which was five over. Right. And I am just angry, angry, right. angry. And I walk to the 10th tee, and I say to myself, I am done talking to him. I am so mad. Yeah, yeah, well, there you and, go. And I don't. And as you know, it's hard for me. I, yeah. I talk a lot when I play golf. But I played the back nine. I did not say one word to him. And I, I started, I made a, you know, a birdie. Well, obviously, birdie, you made a lot made of birdies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you go birdie, birdie, eagle. Well, now, what what course I is this? Only made, I only made four birdies because I made two eagles. Oh, wow. Wow. And then you chipped in on the last hole? And then I chipped in on the last hole for eagle. So this is the first thing that he says to me. He comes up, I chipped it in, you know, get my ball. We're standing there waiting for other people to finish. He goes, you make me so mad. And I looked at him, I go, why do I make you mad? He goes, do you, do you know what you just shot? And I said, No. <laughs> And he thought that it was 28 because he didn't really realize it was worth 37. But he right. goes, it is not 28. And I was like, really? <laughs> oh, wow. So, so you were you were not even, you were just ticked off. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes I you just got to leave your mind and just just play, you know? Yeah. In anything we do. Yeah. Unbelievable. So does that record still stick eight under? It's got to be, right? Nobody's done it, that. It does. It's still, it, it's. Still a record. Okay, so we talk about that, and then what about um, the state of women's golf on the LPGA tour? Uh, how do you feel? I, you know, I, first of all, I think Mike Wan 
I, I remember when he became commissioner, and I remember the very first meeting he came in and with so much energy, and I thought to myself, holy cow, how did we get him? And he's awesome. And it's amazing to me that he's been able to sustain that energy. He's like you. Well, so uh, so that's good. So you feel like we're getting, you know, because they were obviously sort of the Asian invasion, right? But now we're starting to see some uh, some more girls uh, that, that have a connection. I mean, we're, we're living in America, and I know we are the place of all culture. Yeah. It's the American thing that we pull for our own. Uh, although these girls are great. I've met some of them. They're so sweet. I think that the reason, you know, people say, well, why, why can't these American girls play as well? And I think that there's a definite reason for that. I think that, you know, first of all, American parents are not quite as willing to push their kids or let their kids do only one thing, you know, like send them off to golf school for, you know, instead of regular high school and, and just have them do that. And also, they, you know, in these other countries, Korea, China now, even like Sweden, they, they can go and they can just simply play golf until they're ready to go play on the tour, where we don't have programs like that that are really supported by our, our country. Right, that's their school. Like these other, these right. other places. Well, there you go. That's a perfect so, example. We just talked about a little while ago, and, and that is that girls can compete in multiple sports now, and they want to. You know, you guys, your, your, yeah. your girls and my daughter, they want to do a lot of things. And, and obviously to compete with girls that are training from all over the world that are doing nothing else, there's going to be a lot of catch-up. And, uh, and that's how I'm yeah. going to end it with this word catch-up. And I'm not talking about lunch or everybody because I do love catch-up, but <laughs> catching up. And you have been um, in my uh, bizarre head here uh, my, with my should-be sister, Chris Cheddar. Chris, I can't thank you enough for being on In a Mississippi Minute. And uh, I can't Anytime. wait to see you soon. I can't wait to see you soon. Hug the girls and uh, go get her some of that throat spray, and it'll all be all right. She'll climb the rock tomorrow. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. Chris Cheddar is my guest, has been my guest, and is like a sister, and I can't thank her enough for, for being on the show. Uh, check her book out. Uh, go online to chrischeddar.com, right? And she'll sign it, and you'll, you'll get to know more about how her relationship evolved with Ben Hogan. I'm Steve Azar. You've been in a Mississippi Minute. Later. I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.